Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by barbend.com. Today on the Bar Bend Podcast, I'm talking to athlete and coach Tom Sroka, who's worn a lot of hats over the course of his strength career. He's been a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, strongman athlete, weightlifter, and he even competed in the sport of grid. Tom is a coach and the owner of The Strength Agenda, which is a gym and podcast based out of the greater Chicago area. And recently, he's been getting heavily involved at the international level with the sport of moss wrestling. So I'm really excited to hear Tom's take on how his approach to strength and coaching has evolved over the course of his career. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barbend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barbend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will most definitely be seen. Today on the Barbend podcast, I'm really excited to be talking to one of the most multifaceted strength athletes in the United States, maybe in the world. He's someone whose strength career and coaching career I've been following for a few years, and that's Tom Sroka. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. So, Tom, the first thing that I think always comes up when people talk about you, whether it's at a weightlifting meet you're coaching at or something where you're competing, is the fact that you've done literally just about every strength sport under the sun. And every time a new one seems to become popular, you're right there at the front of the pack, really trying trying it out. And um, I think it's a really fantastic thing. And I think it's given you, hopefully, fantastic perspective as both a coach and an athlete. So give us a little bit of your athletic background and history, if you don't mind. Um, well, I mean, the big thing, I guess, is like when I was a kid, um, I, I drove my parents nuts. Um, I was just constantly into something or doing something I shouldn't have been doing and all that. And my dad's solution was sign me up for every sport possible. Um, I played basketball, soccer, uh, baseball, football. Uh, I did track, um, any kind of, uh, I was in Boy Scouts. I was always doing camping, stuff like that. Like I was just always doing something and trying to learn something different. Um, I wish a sport like rugby would have been around when I was a kid. Cause I really think I would have took to rugby, uh, but it wasn't. So football and track were my main two sports in uh, uh, high school. Uh, I did wrestling a little bit. I just didn't like it. Um, my dad and my brothers were good wrestlers. Um, I just wasn't, it just didn't stick. Uh, and then I went to college uh, as a track and field athlete. Um, I threw the shot and the weight throw uh, primarily. Um, and I was a three-time All-American in that. And then after I graduated college, um, I got into Highland Games and Strongman, just looking for something to do. And that's where I met Ingrid Markham. And I've explained that story millions and millions of times about how she got me in touch with Glenn Penlay. And then he invited me out to Cal Strength. So I started doing weightlifting um, with the only prior experience was just doing like power cleans in college for mm-hmm. track and field. Um, and then I was, you know, with Glenn and MDUSA until 2016. And then I kind of got burnt out with that. Um, and then grid had just started to become a thing. So I kind of transitioned into training for grid cause it was just something fun, uh, different and fun that I, I, I thought I was pretty good at. Um, uh, I had a short, you know, uh, coffee break or a coffee date with, uh, the New York rhinos 
And then from there, I, uh, you know, I opened up my own gyms. I had a CrossFit, a Big Shoulders CrossFit for a little bit that I was running Team Saw, which is my weightlifting team out of. Um, I started doing remote coaching in 2013, had a brick and mortar uh, in 2016, sold that a year later to just do the strength agenda because we started having athletes come into us that wanted me to coach them mm -hmm. and stuff like this. And then Mike Zella moved back from MDUSA because he's from this area as well. Um, he's a, a, a multiple-time national medalist in the 69, well, the old 69-kilo division. He runs my sports performance. I run the weightlifting team, and I manage all the stuff on the back end. And then I, you know, I got back into the Highland Games. I started doing strongman stuff like that. And then um, because I don't know how to read a calendar, I stumbled upon Moss Wrestling. <laughs> and right now, Moss, uh, Moss Wrestling and Highland Games are my two big sports that I do. But I just try to do everything um, just because I get bored really easily. You know, like uh, uh, um, I'm on the pro circuit for the Highland Games right now. Um, I do about six to ten competitions a year with that. And then Moss Wrestling, I'll do usually the Arnold and then uh, a couple local competitions here and there. And then like at the end of the year this year, I'll be going to Poland for the World Cup, um, be on Team USA in the, uh, the 275 class. So, yeah, I just I don't know. I just I do everything and anything like I'm, I'm always up for a challenge. Is there anything? So that's a that's fantastic background. And it's a lengthy strength sports career. It's still very much um, still very much in progress. It's been awesome to see um, your progress in both the Highland Games and Moss Wrestling, which I consider kind of one of the up and coming strength sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the well, Highland, Highland Games has been around for a real long time. I think just with with, with like weightlifting too, the mm -hmm. advent of social media. Yeah making Highland games more popular. Like there are, I mean, the pro class in particular, um, it's, it's, we have Spencer Tyler, who's who, if you've ever seen anything or, or paid attention to Spencer Tyler, he's one of like the like freakiest athletes you'll ever see. Um, just power for days with that guy. Um, he's obviously at the top of the pile, but like all the way down to like spot number 20 on the ranking list, like there's no slouches where mm -hmm. usually it was like, you had like three or back in the day, it was like three or four guys at the top. Then you had a little bit of a gap and then another three or four and so on and so forth. Like it's pretty stout from like top to bottom. Once you get past uh, the guy like Spencer Tyler. Now for, for Moss wrestling, um, you talked about how you kind of stumbled into that. Now that's a sport. When I say it's up and coming, I mean, it's really just on people's radar over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I see that you you've traveled to compete internationally in that sport. It's a very different sport too, because you know, unlike a lot of strength sports, you know, you control what your opponent does. You're matched up one-on-one -on -one against something. It's not just you and a barbell. It's you, a stick and another person. So how have you evolved in, in that sport and what um, has been most different about that to you in training and because there is that one-on-one -on -one aspect. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it, at first I was really, uh, man, I mean, I was really weary of it at first cause it reminded me of wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, it is I, Moss wrestling. Yeah. Right. But like just the, <laughs> the, the, the aspect of not being in control mm -hmm. of all the variables. Um, and I, for some reason, I just, I didn't do well with that when I was in like high school and, and junior high wrestling and stuff like that. So I was really nervous if I was going to be okay at this. Um, it's, yeah, it's the big thing about it is it's so steeped in culture. Um, it was, it, it comes from a, a just small area of Russia, um, the Yaku province. 
um, Siberia, essentially, like it's just this little like group of people that just started doing it in their, their cultural festivals and things like that. And then it expanded out of that area. There's also um, history of it being done by the Vikings and some of the Scots and stuff like that too, or a version of it. So it's a very, it, it's one of like the original like manhood sports, kind of like Iceland with their stones and you have to lift certain stones to be considered a, a man in some form or fashion. It's very much like this sport. Like it's like, you think you're better than me. Here is a stick take it out of my hand and prove it kind of a deal. And so some of these guys that I've competed against have been doing this since they were like five years old. Wow. And it's, I mean, this is like in their blood. Like you look at them, like our definition of what an athlete should look like mm-hmm. doesn't fit a lot of these guys. Right. Like they both look like your regular fit guy that has just been kind of, you know, just working with his hands his whole life or something like that. And then like when you set up against them on the board and like they grab onto the stick, you're like, wow. Like there are some guys that like I, you, you think you're strong until you get ragdolled by a human being that's the same size or smaller than you. Like, and you're like, that is, that is strong. Is it, could you liken it to boxing? Boxing, because I, I think that one thing that's been really interesting, and being in New York, you know, being around Madison Square Garden, we're kind of the center of the boxing universe. So even if you're a casual fight fan, you still kind yeah. of see that. And the thing that happened a few months ago, you know, we're recording this in July. I guess it was about a month and a half ago. Andy Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua for the yeah. world heavyweight title, and everyone was kind of flabbergasted if they weren't following the sport because, like, here's a guy who doesn't look like what we think of as an athlete beating, beating this prototype of what Western society thinks an athlete can be. But people forget Andy Ruiz has been boxing since he was a kid. It's ingrained in him. The movement patterns the technique it's second nature. Yeah. That's a, that's a great comparison. Yeah. Some of these guys, like I said, and and then you get some of these dudes that like, like for instance, Last year, we went to Worlds. Worlds, um, as far as I know, is always hosted in the home of Moss Wrestling, which Mm -hmm. is the East province. Um, They have a training center dedicated to the sport of Moss Wrestling. Like it's just, and, and, it, and it's, it's a phenomenal place to see it. It reminds me it's, it's a cross between like an old school, like boxing gym, essentially mm-hmm. with very little weights, just like there's like one rusty crappy bar in the corner with some plates that are falling apart. They have their specific machines that they use for training moss and different aspects and stuff like that. And then they have a bunch of monkey bars and like grip stuff all over the place. And the rest of it looks like one of those like Ninja warrior places. Like that is essentially what their training halls look like. Like they have climbing walls and like Jacob's ladders going all the way up to the ceiling and stuff like that. Um, I posted a couple of pictures of it, but they were still very, they didn't want people to see mm. what it looked like. So like they kind of wanted to keep it to themselves, but it was just, it was really interesting just to be just to go last year and dive headfirst into that culture and just realize how much tradition is in there. Like they, right. they I mean, they have like their, you know, the, 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 the tribal drummers and stuff like that are out there when you're competing, like they're sitting there banging on their drums and stuff while you're competing. Like they have the people in the fold, like Yakushin garb, like escorting you out to your, your platform where you're competing and things like that. Like, it's just, it's, it's a really cool strength sport. That's just steeped in a ton of tradition. So that for me is the funnest part, like the training. Yeah. It's cool to train for something different and to train for these competitions. But as you go through the training, when you learn that certain aspects of the sport are just strictly rooted in culture and mm-hmm. tradition that to me is what separates it from stuff like strongman and you know all these other sports because like it the, there's it 
the other sports have been around a little longer, so they've evolved over time. This hasn't gotten there yet. So it's still very culturally based in a lot of its rules and its roots and stuff like that. Now, um, I, I remember your social posts at the time you were posting about, about that trip. Uh, it was a little chilly there, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. What kind of temperature was it outside? It was, yeah, we were joking around about that. So um, Chicago had a polar vortex earlier this year. And just for reference, folks, Tom is, is based in the Chicago area. Yeah. Chicago, Illinois. Um, and they like my, my students were like talking about how it's colder here than it is in Siberia. And I'm like, false. I was there. <laughs> um, when we were there, they had a warm spell. Um, the warmest it got was negative 24 degrees. And at night it would get into the negative thirties. Um, and that's without a wind chill. That's just raw temperature. And it was, I was joking around about this on another podcast. Like I felt like they wanted to remind you of how miserably cold it was because they hit thermometers everywhere on the buildings. Like it was, and it was just clear as day. Like there's the temperature. It's cold. Like get used to it kind of a deal. But yeah, it was it's hands down like the coldest I've ever been. Um, I never have been anywhere where I had to wear a jacket the entire time. Like we got off the plane. There were two of us or three of us that walked off the plane in shorts because when we left Moscow, it was like 30 degrees and we're like, Oh, this isn't bad. So we had like hoodies on and shorts. We got off the plane in Yakuts and right away our escort walked up to us and they're like, you got to put pants on. Like you cannot go outside like that. And we're like, okay. They're like, it's not good for your health. We're like, all right, cool. Like, so we threw pants on threw our jackets on and I'm glad they made us. Cause as soon as we stepped out there, like when the cold just hits you, you're like, <gasps> like it, it, it was cold. That's all. Yeah. So coming a little later in life to Moss Wrestling, I mean, some of the folks you're competing against at the international level, I mean, they literally grew up around this and with this. What have been some of the technique hurdles you've had to overcome or maybe you've learned from these folks where it's it's really a second nature to them and you're still building that movement mastery? Okay. Honestly, leverage. Learning how to leverage your body, not only against a object, but against another human being. Like trying to counter their leverage and stuff like that. Like... I was talking to, um, we're running a tournament here in October and a couple of people have been asking me about it and they were asking about Russia and stuff like that. And, um, we actually got, that's the other cool thing about it is these guys are really willing to help because mm -hmm. they, they realize like the potential to grow the sport in the Americas and stuff like that. So they want to help anybody from, you know, our side of the world, um, help grow the sport. And they said flat out to us that like that when they saw us go into the training hall and they saw us training and stuff like that the coaches got a little worried because they're like, these guys are strong. They're stronger than us. Like, cause we were a couple of us were doing deficit deadlifts. We we're doing some cleans, doing some snatches, stuff like that, doing some squatting like the, the, the U S team was. And they're like, these guys are really strong. And then they watched us get on the boards and they're like, Oh, never mind. Their technique <laughs> is horrible. So that's been the biggest thing. It's just learning not only the proper techniques, like when to, when to be tense and when to relax. Like uh -huh. when not to fight and stuff like that. And then when to counter leverage and when to like create your own leverage and stuff like that. So that's been the hardest part for me is because I've always just been like a bull in a China shop, like just attack, attack, attack. Right. And actually learning how to, <clears throat> I guess, play an offensive type of defense has been really hard for me. Like the patience just isn't there. Like I, as soon as I see something, I want to like go after it. But like it, it's you being baited into that trap essentially by another person that you're competing against it reminds so, me it reminds me a little bit like going to having having done color commentary at a few international weightlifting events you go into the training hall 
and you see these folks or even national events, you see them squatting just massive weights. You see them putting, you know, 300 kilos on the bar sometimes and just repping out for back squats. It's not always the case that the person squatting the most is going to snatch and clean and jerk the most. There are diminishing returns on those strength gains and the, the ceiling in weightlifting is, is more at that, at that level. Certainly it's more often technique than strength. Yeah. 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 Um, what has, you know, having done all these strength sports, weightlifting, uh, functional fitness, powerlifting, strongman, the Highland games, and now Moss wrestling, where do you think your knowledge growth as an athlete was most accelerated? At what period in your athletic career were you like learning the most per per day or per session? I could say, I could ask. Honestly, I didn't really like. I, I've always been a student of the game. Like, I always ask questions because I want to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not an insubordinate like questioning the coach or their methodologies. I just wanted to understand what was the purpose of this and how was it going to help me get to my goals. But I really didn't start to really conceptualize what I done or was doing in all my training till I started coaching people. Mm. Because I then had to take that information and then relay it to somebody else and make sure they understood it. Because I understood it. That didn't mean they understood the information. So whether I had to, you know, escalate how I relate it or, you know, bring it down a little bit. So like the general population could understand what I was trying to convey. That's when I really started to fully conceptualize like all these different things that I had been taught and stuff like that. So until I really started working with other people that were trying to do the same things that I was doing, that's when I really started to understand and comprehend fully all these different little tips and tricks and tools and stuff like that, that I'd added to my arsenal over the years and and still continue to add. So this is a question I love asking strength coaches yeah. of a variety of backgrounds. Would you rather who who would you rather coach? An athlete who has experience in prior coaching in the sport or a completely blank slate? Um it I guess right off the top of my head I'd say somebody without. Um but I also enjoy working with athletes that know a little bit about the sport or have worked with like um, that have worked with somebody else that is knowledgeable. I guess that depends. It depends on what their previous experience is. Um, because I have had it both ways. I've had athletes that have had other coaches and have come to me and have been very willing to learn and say, okay, when we did this with my other coach, this was why we did it. Do you think this could help in this situation? I've had other coaches, there are other athletes that have just been like, that's not what we did before. So I don't understand why we're doing this. Like it, it just kind of depends. But if I had to like hands down, like, place a bet i would take that raw athlete mm-hmm. um just simply because they want to learn they want to understand in most cases and you can kind of shape and mold them the way that you want and i guess that's like the best way to prove your system of you know whatever you're doing to prove that it works is if you can just take an athlete from start to finish and build them up in the way that you see fit and it's just i think that's the best um example of like the body of work that you have as a coach which of the strength sports you've competed in and trained for was in hindsight the most the most challenging for you to progress in relative relative, relative to maybe what you thought was going to be your progress weight, weight, weightlifting weightlifting hands down um throwing i always took to uh it was one of those things like um like i i started out in track and field as a sprinter 
um, or I, I thought I was a sprinter. And my one one of my football coaches was like, "You are way too big to be sprinting. Go throw." And I just I took to it immediately, like really just like fell in love with that process of trying to make this little ball go farther and how I could adjust my body in different ways to do it. Weightlifting, um, I always equate weightlifting to kind of like track and field, but not because while you're trying to figure out the best way to move your body and the most efficient way to move your body to get an object to move, that object is never the same. It's it's never constant. It's always changing in uh, uh, variability as well because the weight, like once you make a lift, the weight gets heavier. Mm -hmm. So now you need to figure out how to apply those changes in your body to the different weight now. So weightlifting for me has always, and still is, like I still do the lifts every once in a while. And there are days where I feel like I've never learned a thing about the sport in, in, in the you know five, six years that I've been doing it. So for me, weightlifting is still one of the most like technically challenging things for me, so both you, as a coach and an athlete. You had some, I mean, weightlifting truly is a sport for life. If anyone ever tells you a yeah. red flag for me, if anyone's ever like, oh, their technique was perfect or my technique's perfect. I'm like, no, false. You're, 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 you're wrong. That's impossible. But um, just to give listeners some background, you know, your, your weightlifting career, I'd say was not incredibly long. It was a few years, but you did have some really cool accomplishments. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, you did win some, some big high profile, uh, meets. Can you give us a, a recap as to, you know, your PRs during that time? Um, and you were also competing at a heavier body weight, I believe. Yeah. 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 So when I got into weightlifting, that was the, the last group, group of weight classes. I was in between, um, <clears throat> I was about like 260, mm -hmm. 65. And Glenn pretty much looked at me and was like, yeah, you need to be a super heavyweight, which is 105 and up, 231 and up, which I was already there. But like to be a really competitive super, I needed to be closer to 300 pounds. Right. So he's like, he's like, you're too big to be a 105. Start putting on weight. And I was like, okay, I didn't know how to do it. Um, so the heaviest I got when I was weightlifting was about 330 pounds. 147.6 kilos is the heaviest I ever weighed at a competition. Um and yeah, I, 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 I was really fortunate to be with the group I was because um, I got a crash course real fat, like with Donnie and, and Glenn and John and Spencer Mormon and all those guys. Um, and then being with MDUSA, which was like the first professional team, like we literally got paid to train being with, you know, Caleb Whitby and Mike and, and Travis and James and all those guys and, and Morgan King and all them. Like it was really cool. Um, I ended up, the, the, I mean, the highlight was winning the 2013 American Open. Um, I won that as a 105 plus. Um, my best all time lifts um, training, I've snatched uh, 152 in competition. I've only snatched 150 um, um, in, in a clean and jerk. Um, and that was kilos. Sorry. I know some people don't under. Don't we're, yeah. We're waffling a little back and forth between pounds. You do see a lot of weightlifters in the U S talk about body weight in pounds and then yeah, yeah. lifts still yeah. in kilos. Best so my, my best snatch is three thirty five uh, outside of competition. My best snatch in competition is three thirty one or three thirty. Um, uh, clean and jerk. Uh, most I've clean and jerked is, in a competition is two Oh one, which I think is like four forty four. And then I've done 202 in training. So my, my, my clean and jerk was really close between training and competition snatch. I always did more in, um, in training mm -hmm. versus what I did in competition, but I, my numbers weren't stellar. Like you compare those numbers as a super heavyweight to the guys that are out there right now. And I'd be 
lucky if I was top five with those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's and we're talking in the U.S. We're talking in the U.S. here. Just the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, I for instance, like the guy that won, like our our best super heavyweight right now is snatching over four hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, he's snatching yeah. over four hundred pounds, cleaning, jerking over you know five hundred pounds. Yeah. I, I couldn't sniff that. So it's it's definitely evolved. It's interesting because USA weightlifting has, weightlifting in the United States has come so far in the past yeah. 10 years. And, and being um, an audience that has been a real treat for me. And it seems like the super heavy category has been anecdotally here. Now, that's not to say we don't have great super heavyweights. Like Kane Wilkes, probably the best super heavy in the US right now. He's doing some really phenomenal things. He's a great athlete. Yeah. Um, but you look at the progress in our super heavy numbers relative to the international stage, and that's the weight class where, on the men's side, not on the women's side. I mean, Sarah Robles is an a, a, a Olympic medalist and a world champion there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on the men's side, that seems to be a weight class where we are a little bit further behind than we compared yeah, to the I lighter mean, body weight categories. Quite, quite honestly, all of our best super heavyweights are playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are guys that you, you I mean. There, I mean, I remember, uh, well, I mean, they're either playing football or the throwers. Um, Kurt Jensen, he's an Olympic shot putter. He's top 10 in the world right now. Um, I remember he showed up to the American Open one year and on straight legs, power snatched 150, clean and jerked like 185, 190 with just atrocious technique, just absolutely horrible technique. I mean, I've, I've seen videos of football players doing, you know, 184 uh, 405 pound hang cleans for sets of three or five. Yeah. Our, our best super heavyweights just aren't competing in weightlifting, plain and simple. And it's not a knock on the guys that we have. Um, it's just, we, the guys that are there are the ones that are dedicated to the sport and they deserve all the credit and stuff like that. But like some of these real just genetic freaks that are, you know, 350 pounds and stuff like that, they're getting paid more money to do something else is essentially why, like why we don't compete. It works the other way around. I mean, I remember the first time I ever sat across from Lasha Talakadze at a lunch table at the 2017 World Championships. I mean, there you can't tell me that if he hadn't trained for it, he wouldn't succeed in the NFL. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and this is a, this is a guy who's who may before the end of his career snatch 500 pounds on the con the yeah. competition platform. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's um it's interesting because they, they talk about that all the time too of like if you take some of our athletes that are in these high profile sports and put them in a less obscure sport like track and field or weightlifting or, you know, Greco Roman wrestling or something like that, like how would they do? Um yeah, like I mean I mean like I remember reading a, watching a documentary about Allen Iverson. He was good at like three different sports. He was a good baseball player. He was a good football player. And he was a good basketball player, obviously. Like, and he could have gone pro in two, possibly all three of those sports. Yeah. You know, like it, we, we get a lot of those athletes. They just, they choose one thing over the other. And it's the same thing with weightlifting. Like um, CJ Cummings, little uh, older brother, Omar. Yeah. He's he, playing football he, now. Yeah. He's a really good weightlifter, but he chose college football over weightlifting, which I, you know, if it's pay for his school, like I don't blame him. My, my guess is we'll see Omar back on the platform at, so. at some he, point. He, he was a really good lifter. I would love to see him come back too. But yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. Like you just, it just, you pick what you want, really want to do. And it's, it is interesting because we, I get this question a lot. People who might not follow strength sports as closely, they'll ask me like, Oh, what happens if you take, you know, Indomitian Sue and you put him, you know, you make him a weightlifter. It's like, well, it's a little, it's, it's tough at that point because you know, weightlifters, people start playing football at a young age or they start playing baseball at a young age. Weightlifters internationally 
are starting at a young age. I brought up Lasha Talakadze. I mean, he was lifting as a little boy, right? They brought him up in that program. They literally, you know, he's like, you, you joke, you find like the biggest, strongest kid and you make them a weightlifter. That's what happened. Yeah. They probably saw him playing soccer somewhere and were like, done, like weightlifter. I mean, you hear about a lot of these power lifters and strongmen today. Like I remember Eddie Hall, um, mm-hmm. World's Strongest Man. After he won World's Strongest Man, I don't know if he was joking or not, but something came out about him wanting to compete in weightlifting for England. And I'm still waiting for that weightlifting debut. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. People just think like weight is weight. Like I remember a while there, like I love Louis Simmons, but he tried saying that because Benedict Magnuson pulled a thousand pounds faster than an Olympic weightlifter can pull 500 pounds off the floor that it, because of just simply velocity, Benedict Magnuson would have made a better weightlifter. I could be completely off base, but that was basically what I got from reading the, the 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 post that he made or whatever. And that's just not simply the case. Like Benedict Magnuson probably doesn't have the wrist flexibility to sit in the bottom of a clean with 400 pounds. It's like we're, like, go ahead. I was just saying it was like we we're talking about in Moss wrestling. It's like there's there's the strength aspect, but there's that technique aspect. And it's t- the the older you are, this is not to take anything away from people who get into weightlifting when they're older. It's an awesome sport. It's a lifelong sport. Strength sports are for life. Yeah, um, yeah. I truly believe that. But um, you're just not going to have that ingrained technique and that movement patterning as like the person who started with a broomstick when they were eight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you look at, you see all those videos coming from the Chinese training halls and stuff like that when they have like the five and six year olds that are sitting there doing broomsticks with like two and a half kilo plates, like taped to them and stuff like that. Like that's what these guys have been doing for years. Like those kids have probably been doing that for I would say two years, four or five days a week before they even start lifting on a normal barbell. So like by the time they get the barbell in their hands, like their technique is flawless. And you just, they get to play with a deck of cards that we'll never have. So yeah. like you really can't compete with that. It's, you know, whenever I watch TJ Cummings lift, you, you, you bring him up earlier and he's a four time junior world champion. One of the best weightlifters in the world, just 19 years old. And you know, he's been lifting at this elite. He's been lifting since he was, a, a very small kid and you can tell when he's on the stage he's competing against often on on the national stage lifters much older than him yeah, right yeah. even when but even when he was 15 years old right yeah, me in 2015 even <laughs> even even when he was 15 years old it the, the his technique just was so much more mature than people on the stage twice his age yeah People, people forget how he looked when he was 13. I remember seeing him when he was 13 years old competing at national meets in the in the 56 or the 62 kilo class because he was a little guy. Um, and then like 2000, I think it was 2015 or maybe 2016, he was lifting as a 69 and he out clean and jerked me by like three. He had set it at the time, an American record at like 187 and I made 185. I was like, and I went for 190, so I didn't get beat by CJ. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, and it, it, I mean, it just it, people don't realize how much progress that kid has made. And, and it's been Ray has done a phenomenal job in making it incremental. He's yeah. not huge jumps in tech and these in weight and sacrificing his technique in the process. Like Ray, I've talked to Ray a couple times about it, and Ray just says like, if he does it wrong, like he doesn't get to move on. Like we've got to hammer it out because he's going to get hurt with the kinds of weights that he's lifting on a regular basis. Like one little thing is out of place, and that could be a career-ending injury for him. And you know we've seen a lot of CJ's growth in his in his total has been on the snatch has been due to those technique developments and it wasn't like 
like you know CJ if he's snatching 150 as opposed to 140 it's not like his legs weren't strong enough to overhead squat that 150 no, no, it's no, just no. incremental technique progress yeah 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 it's, it's been really cool to watch him um Ray's got another guy Dade Stanley mm-hmm. that's to make huge progress it's been really fun to watch him um Harrison Morris has been really a lot of, it's really cool to see a lot of these junior athletes that you saw like I'm really curious to see how Hampton Morris starts uh, uh progressing oh yeah yeah as he starts hitting maturity um um uh, Morgan McCullough, who's training out at MASH, um, the progress he's made in just the last three years as he's started to hit maturity, you know, physically and stuff like that has been really cool to see. Like, I I really wanted to try to get out to youth nationals this year because I feel like it's 100% different than it used to be about two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of talent and technique, and the technique is the biggest thing. The technique you're seeing with these younger kids um, it's just, it's very promising. And like the future of the sport is very bright. Like I, I said this the other day, I really think it's going to be hard the next quad to be a repeat Olympian. Um, I think like if you make one Olympic team for the United States, given the new rules and how everything is set up, like you've done a good job. If you make two Olympic teams after these new rules and stuff like that have been going, you're, you're, you're killing it because I just feel like the talent pool is going to get that deep um, with all of these younger you know athletes that are starting to come up with really good technique and sound coaching and all that stuff that USAW is trying to implement from the ground up. Tom, you know, one question I really want to ask uh, before we, we wrap this up and we've been, we've been riffing for, for a good long bit now is, um, you know, having access to all these strength sports, both as a coach and an athlete, having seen the growth of these sports over the past decade or so, what, excites you most for the development of strength athletics, you know, moving forward and what gives you a little bit of pause or maybe trepidation for the development of strength athletics going forward? (sighs) What gives me pause is people's unwillingness to, um, broaden their horizons. Just like you see with kids these days. Um, I see a lot of adults that want to specialize if they compete in powerlifting, that's all they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if they compete in weightlifting, that's all they want to do. Strongman, the same thing. And same thing with these kids. Like you see these kids playing hockey from the time they're eight years old, all the way up till high school. Um, that's the biggest thing that gives me pause because I don't think you, that they, they fully understand. I mean, there's plenty of articles and research done on the benefits of touching upon all different things because it just gives the body a different stimulus that it isn't getting from that other sport. So that kind of, um, um, because it's the same kinds of athletes that did the same thing. Like you get somebody that played football their entire life. And then when football is over, they look for that next fix of theirs and they just focus on the one sport because they've never been pushed to try other things. So I guess that's the biggest like negative of anything that I see with strength sports is just the unwillingness to try something different. If you suck at it, like who cares? Like that we're, we're not good at anything we do the first time. And if you are, well, you you're gifted. Um, but the positive is seeing, um, now that like, uh, I, I feel like the, the wave of CrossFit has kind of come down a little bit, seeing these gyms that are popping up and they're thriving, offering, all sorts of different modalities of training. Like, I don't know how many times now I go into a gym and you see sandbags and yokes and Atlas stones and weightlifting equipment, kilo plates and bearing bars and stuff like that. And then you go over and then there's BOSU balls and TRXs and dumbbells and kettlebells and stuff like that. For, for the, when it comes to strength sports, seeing these gyms popping up all over the place that have just a wide variety of these different 
uh, implements and this equipment and stuff like that, that they're using to get their, 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 not only their athletes, but their general population, more fit, more strong, stuff like that. It, 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 it gives everybody a taste of a different sport that may eventually like tell them, Hey, I want to give that a shot. So it's really cool to see the, 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 the evolution of, of your general population gyms and the equipment that they provide for their, uh, their clientele. Awesome. And Tom, where can people follow along with what you're doing on social media, on your podcast? And, you know, yeah. um, you know, if they just want to see kind of what's next for you. Um, biggest thing, go to www.thestrengthagenda.com. That's the gym page, with all our different programs and stuff up on there. Um, on Instagram, at the strength agenda myself. Um, if you just like jokes and mediocre lifting and throwing, um, at Sorokasaurus Rex. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, joining us today. Uh, really awesome to get your perspective and um, best of luck in, in your upcoming competitions. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.